everybody. I feel like that's like a breath of fresh air when I say that because I need it so bad now. My podcasts are my one way to go out there and talk to everybody during times of pandemic, during the times of these protests and riots. Um, First off, I hope everybody is doing out there. I'm praying for everybody and your mindset. I'm praying that you have a peace of mind. Um, I know that you may be angry and and absolutely um, so disturbed with every bit of news that we continuously get every day, but that you have at least a peace of mind for yourself so that you, you, you feel that you are okay, that, that you are heard. Um, I, speaking of being heard, I just, um, I've really been making this list of my privileges on a daily basis just because I've never actually stopped to write down all the things that I never knew or considered as my privilege. And the reason why I needed to do that is for two reasons. Um, The topic of privilege, I believe, is everybody's responsibility right now, that we should know our privileges. And then I, number two, I've been needing some type of way to understand my privilege, to own them, to be humbled by them, and to also turn around and see where I can use parts of my privilege to be of help to others. And one of them is having this podcast. And so the last few weeks, I've been having amazing conversations with people around this topic of racism and the um, responsibility we have behind it. And so Dr. Cindy Graham is my guest this week. And I am so excited to have you, doctor, because not only are you a licensed psychologist, but you specialize in the area of children and adolescents. So Dr. Cindy, thank you for joining us today. Hi, thank you so much, Jeannie, for having me. Thank you for this platform. Um, I love that you are giving space for your followers and your listeners to be able to talk about what they're going through and your willingness to really take that on because that is a it's a it's a it's a it's a blessing and it's a huge responsibility. So the fact that you are opening this is wonderful. So thank you for letting me absolutely know. and, and the, also the reason is because I've realized that we really only have each other right now. You know, in these days where leadership is mad questionable and we don't, authority is even, uh, you know, obviously at the source of this fight, we really are looking at just having each other. So whether you're out there on the front lines protesting or you are finding shelter in somebody's house, we're reading so many stories of these people opening their homes to house protesters. Um, for me, my, my community is my guests and my listeners. And I am so thankful to be able to reach out to you on the DMs, doctor. Right, and, right. right. On the DMs, because I'm like, yo, I love your posts. I love your interviews. I've listened to the way you speak on racism. And I'm like, please come and share some of your beautiful wisdom with my fans. And so I appreciate you. Um, I, so I want to first ask, you have two boys in the house. And they're of age to understand the news, seven and? And five. Five. Okay. So what are the conversations like in your house? Are you sheltering them from the realities of what's going on? Or are you having open discussions about it? What's it like over there? So it's pretty balanced. And I should also add, so my sons are also biracial. Um, mm. I'm a first generation Haitian American. My husband is born and raised uh, Louisiana. So he's got blue Ooh, eyes this and is red a good hair. conversation. Right? Oh, yeah, so it, good, gets, girl. it gets deep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it gets deep. Um, so they, as they like to say, my sons, they say they're half colonizer, but full Wakanda. Um, and so me <laughs> <laughs> Everything. <laughs> they really understand that they that their heritage is even a complex background. And so 
for them, I, I don't allow them to listen to the news, to watch the news. Mm. Um, actually one time my oldest, uh, my seven year old, he, I was coming down the steps and he was like, he was watching news on TV and he didn't even want to come to dinner because he was in wrath. Yes. So, but again, I, aside from that one time, I like to make sure that if they are watching the news, um, I'm there with them or my husband is there with them. And so they are aware, um, they're not aware of the, the, the killings and the murders and the things that have happened um, in that way, because they are too young for that. You know, they are at the age where if something is too scary, they can have nightmares, but they are very much aware of the racism that's happening. And they've asked me point blank, why do some people not like people with brown skin? Why do people treat black people unfairly? And we've gotten into discussions about, you know, their history and they, even for them, again, being half white, um, at their age, they were kind of like, I don't like that the Europeans did that. I don't like that white people did that. I'm mad at them. And I, mm. and it's, those are complicated questions <laughs> to answer because. But I'm super stoked that your kids already have empathy. Because let's be honest, today's kids are worried about, well, not today's kids, but most of the time kids are worried about when, if they're going to get some candy or if if their next, you know, favorite video game is, is, is going to be, um, if they can play it. But this is cool that they're actually feeling for the history and the current situations. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they definitely worry about the video games, <laughs> the video games too, but certainly they, um, and it's immediate. And I'm, I'm so proud of the, the human beings that they are and that they continue to become because they do, they very much embrace and they take on the emotions. They stick up for their friends. Um, so that's why, you know, for them to hear like what to them, they're, they're so young. It's, it's ludicrous to them that somebody would be treated differently simply because their skin is darker. So, I mean, I think it says, there's that one saying, everything I needed to know I learned in kindergarten. It's really true. Like everything you need to know about how to treat somebody and how to regard others. We learn at an early age. Mm. And unfortunately, racism is taught at an early age as well. Um, And so, yeah. I was watching um, this Instagram post (laughs) where... Uh, my friend Twitch, who he's a oh. he's a personality on Ellen, mm-hmm. and his wife Allison Hoker, who's Caucasian. I think she's Caucasian. But they were playing the the ha- Never Have I Ever kind of game that's on TikTok, mm-hmm. and it was with privilege. And it mm-hmm. so was, it was like, Have you ever? And then filled fill the blank. And they were questions that were been pulled over by the police, mm-hmm. um, had someone get off the elevator because you were on it, mm-hmm. um, been called a racial slur. Mm-hmm. And every time Twitch was, you know, minimizing his fingers, and Allison had all ten of hers up the entire game. Wow. And the last one was, Have you ever had to? Had you have you ever been in fear of your children being hurt? by police or fear of your children being hurt because of the color of their skin. And that was the one time her thumb went down. And for you, what kind of conversations do you have with your son when they're seeing what is happening today and also the makeup that they're in? How much do you make them focus on their skin color and aware of what that could come off to people who are dangerous out there? Right. And so for them, they are at an age where, where I've just started. I don't believe in having like the big talk, um, you know, in terms of like, this is what you should do. I believe in giving a little bit as they go along. Yeah, that so, can feel scary. Right, right. Exactly. And yeah. so with them, I've already, we've already started talking about when you are 
um, you know, who police are and how they protect us. So that was, you know, the early phases. Um, and now we're moving into, yeah, it gets really important to make sure that you're following the directions that they give you um, so that we can make sure that everybody's kept safe. Um, and, you know, and for them, their understanding is, well, if I'm, if I'm obeying the law, I shouldn't get pulled over. And it's, it's explaining to them, well, sometimes some people get pulled over um, just because somebody thinks you might be doing something wrong. Um, and so that so far is kind of where we've kept it. Um, we haven't, another tricky component to this is that, um, so my husband does have a family member who is a police officer as well. Mm. Um, and it's been some years since they've, they've interacted with that particular family member. So, um, you know, and again, I fully, you know, I, I believe in police officers. I believe in the of protection course. that they provide, yeah. you know, of course, of course. Um, you know, and so again, it just adds yet another layer of complexity because in any of these conversations that we're having with them, we really are trying to trying to walk that line of, of, of saying, um, you know, it's, it's so important for you to follow the directions so that they don't, it gets hard to talk about, um, uh, you know, so that they don't, ah. They don't walk into any danger. Right. Um, and helping them to not be scared of the police. Yeah. Because then, again, as a psychologist, I know that if you are in a fight, flight, or freeze state, um, for some people, they do fight, but it's out of fear. It's not because they are necessarily resisting or because they are. It's just literally that is the automaticity of the human body. And my boys are expected to be tall black men, um, yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're tan skinned. And we talked about that, but they are expected to be about five, 10, five, 11 and six, two, they're mm. not going to be small. <laughs> right. And so, um, right now it, it, it is so tricky right now in particular for us, because we are trying to make sure that they're not overly afraid of the yeah. police. Um, but at the same time, having that healthy respect, but then also I don't allow them to play with guns. And they do see how like their friend was allowed to play with a gun. Um, I mean, now we're social distancing, so it's been a while. Since yeah, they've... right. <laughs> but, you know, pre-March 12th. Um... Yeah, right, right. Oh God, it feels forever ago. <laughs> right, I know, I know. So, so that's been a, 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 probably more of the consistent struggle is trying to help them to understand. I'm like, well, you know, guns do bad things. They can be for protection, but um, you know, they're, they're, and, and they're innocent little faces. They, they are struggling to understand why it's yeah. different for them. And yeah. I just said it, it can be too scary for people sometimes. Yeah. And I, I, you brought up a very psychological, uh, phrase or, or understanding, which is the fight, flight, or freeze. Mm -hmm. And this is a time where I really started to notice how unique we are in that conditioned response. And so we know it's a conditioned response because it's something that happens every single time we are confronted with the situation. Mm -hmm. And I have really started to look inwardly about my temperament as an introvert and as an Asian American. Now, I can hear y'all laughing out there that I just called myself an introvert, but I'm telling you I am. 
I am a thousand percent an introvert. I, I build and charge up from being alone. I prefer to be alone and I prefer peaceful, quiet mama. My, my mom is always like, you listen to the boring music. And cause I love classical and jazz and it's like, oh, and that's like my thing. So I'm introverted, quiet by myself. So that has led me to be a much more like timid person when it comes to ruffling feathers or, you know, disrupting the peace. And the second is a realization I've had because of today's times, which is my culture. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is I'm noticing that, well, first I'm appreciating that this time has really taught everybody to be responsible about your role in this fight. Yes. And I'm going to, I'll go into a whole nother thing later on where I really learned where I distance myself with people who don't feel they have a role in this fight. But particularly with my culture, I've recognized that most of my people, when it comes to the topic of racism, they either flight because it's not their problem or they freeze because they're scared to disrupt the peace. Rarely will you see the other, the other um, group make noise. And I started to wonder why that is. And to be honest, doctor, like you have to go so deep into, I mean, I remember first time experiences where, you know, if, if I, I had an Asian friend in second grade, I remember like every day they would pass out these little like cookies to everybody. Just like, um, sometimes, you know, if you were doing good and I remember I didn't get a cookie and the girl next to me was like, shh, if you say something, they might not give us cookies anymore. Just have half of mine. And I was like, okay, okay. And that was an Asian friend of mine. I also remember many times where, you know, every time I was kind of, I, I was kind of a punk kid. I got into a lot of trouble. But every time I got into trouble, my dad would say, Gong, which is like daughter, Gong, please don't cause trouble. Just go good, be good girl. Don't cause trouble. And I'm like, but I didn't do it. They were making fun of me. And a lot of times they were making fun of me because I was Asian too, like ching chong and doing the thing with the eyes. And I would, and he would say, who care? Who care? Just study. Who care? It doesn't matter. And so conditioning myself to freeze. And so now, um, I'm not the type to sit by if people talk smack about my friends or about race. I'm, I'm pretty vocal when it comes to that, but I'm frustrated because I could be more. Mm-hmm. I could, I could, I know that it, within my culture, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, racist prejudice. Mm-hmm. And I know that whenever I brought somebody of a mixed race home, particularly black, it would always be a, mm-hmm. oh, Okay is this serious or, you know, is always a thing. And sometimes what you don't realize is you can learn about racism, not just from, it's not always racial slurs and it's not like actual attacks, but sometimes just even the, the, the tone and the change in the atmosphere. I remember I started to learn growing up in San Francisco, I had a lot of gay friends and mentors and things like that. But when my gay friends drove down to San Jose to visit me and there was less of a gay community there, whenever my gay friends would come towards my straight friends, immediately there was like a, there was like a stiffening up and a little bit of a look. And that's what taught me that gays were mistreated. And, right. and, and, and you know what I'm saying? So again, your kids can feel that your kids can see that. And that's where, yes. that's where you're teaching racism without even knowing it to right. all my parents out there, to all the parents out there that you know who I'm talking to when you have like a prejudice towards a race. Mm-hmm. So anyway, led me to realizing I freeze. So doctor, I want to talk to the audience of people that, maybe are in the freeze or the flight stage, how do you uncondition yourself? And what step do you even know what to take? I'm not really the type to go loot or riot. I definitely would protest, but I'm angrier than that than you just go stand in silence. So like, 
I mean, that's a specific example that that's, you know, for me to figure out, but what do you say to people who need to uncondition something once they've recognized or how do they recognize that what they're doing is wrong? Is it ever good to freeze? Is it ever right. good to freeze in a crisis? Right. So it, it certainly is. Um, you know, and the roots of where it comes from would be, you know, if you're being attacked by a bear, freezing up or playing dead could end up saving your life. Mm. Um, you know, they kind of move on and leave you alone. In these particular circumstances, it is a little bit different because for us, black and brown skinned people, we're looking for allies. We're looking for people who... Um, the, the up, stand up. Exactly. Who have the complexion of protection to be able to be literally that front line for us. You complexion know. of protection. <laughs> right. Yo. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. I'm so stealing that. <laughs> right. I love you. I should, okay. I should say I stole that from somebody else on Facebook. So I, as much as I would love to take it. the You're credit. You're sharing right. it at this yeah, point. Exactly. <laughs> so shout out to my Facebook friends. <laughs> 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 um, so yeah, exactly. We that we do need those moments. And I've been seeing um, probably over the last 24, 36 hours more videos of just that. So white people standing in front of black people um, and really saying, no, like, please be careful and, and really just protection. And so mm. that is a beautiful moment. Um, but unconditioning yourself is tough because I would say that it's, it's, it's also, it's one part conditioning and I can identify with your story 100%. So both my parents were born and raised in Haiti. Mm. And so they, you know, they grew up under dictators and then they came to the United States for freedom, for a better life, um, you know, for the family that they would have. And so we were very much raised in the spirit of follow directions. Like you go to school to learn, not to have friends, you, you know, make sure you do Ooh. what you need to do. Toe yeah. the line. Um, don't yeah. let a teacher call here saying you were in trouble. But at the same time, they always said, speak up for yourself, know who you are, know your worth, um, know that you can do well, know that you're smart and like bring that to the table too. So I would say for people who do tend to freeze up, know who you are, know the strength that you have, know mm. what you have to bring to the table, know your gifts, know your blessings, know the ways in which you can bring something because it doesn't have to be, it's, I don't know that I would go out and, I mean, I can't, I'm again, so distancing. <laughs> distancing. Right. Um, so I, I am not in a position to go out and, and yes. protest at this point in time. Um, but that protesting might not be for everybody. Um, and so there, that's one of the beautiful things about social media is that, Everybody can have a platform. Anybody can engage and be a part of the discussion. Um, there are other ways through connecting with local schools. They need resources. They need people to speak and talk about their experiences. Church group, local nonprofits, um, even reaching out to your local, your police station, your firemen, like finding out, um, you know, if you have a passion for one-on-one -on -one connections, look in the way, look for those ways that you can connect with people one-on-one -on -one, mm. because it doesn't have to be, um, you know, in that, in that big platform setting. And that's really not for everybody, um, nor does it need to be. But um, so it would be taking that step back, taking inventory of what your gifts are and what your weaknesses are too. And mm. then look for those ways of activism that, that you can, you can use your strengths and your gifts to be able to promote your message. I love that. That that's a really good baby step to first own and recognize whatever your reaction is when you're faced with uh with with any bit of confrontation. And then I think number 2 is let's lean on the word responsibility. 
I think today I mentioned earlier, listing out your privileges. I think that's a definite start. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't realize every single one of us have privilege right. and many of us more than others, but owning them and understanding them and leveraging them to be a complexion of protection is mm-hmm. definitely a great start mm-hmm. in that. I want to know what, what do you think it is psychologically about people, particularly non-black? Why do you think, okay, so there's racist, right? There's, there's, mm-hmm. there's surely racist. And now what we're seeing is, you know, when this started out as a, a, a reaction towards the injustice um, against not only George Floyd, but Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Aubrey, mm-hmm. now it's turned into America versus anti-race, oh, I'm sorry, America versus racism, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we are learning that even if you are not racist, you have to be anti-racist, mm-hmm. which is taking action to fight it. That's a bigger, mm-hmm. that's a bigger situation. So what do you think it is psychologically with people who may not necessarily have a, have a racist agenda towards people of color, but just are in denial? Right. Like they are in denial. They're like, is racism really real? Mm-hmm. Uh, let me right. throw out some things that maybe a, 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 den- a person in denial might say. Is racism really real? This isn't our fight. This is the black person's fight. Um, I don't have a say in this. That I, I can't speak because I have too many privileges, so black people wouldn't want to hear from me. I mean, what do you think about these kind of phrases? What, 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 what makes people, some people think that about themselves? Right. And so it, it's, it's that idea of um, it's protection. It's, um, you know, there can be a natural tendency to want to keep to your own. And I think the difficulty is, so what we know about child development is that infants start to notice differences in skin tones. And again, it's partially just the idea of rearing that you are going to be familiar with the skin tones that your parents are um, or what you commonly see around you. There are also some implications in terms of um, like vision in kids um, as infants that they really don't have very good vision until they're older, um, closer to like six months. Uh, But either way, that even in infants, they are starting to notice a difference in skin tone and that they can start to show a preference for certain groups over others by the time that they are reaching kindergarten. What some studies have also shown is that um, for, so for kids of color, um, that they are less likely to show um, negative, um, negative impressions of members of like of, of a white group compared to white. So for white children, they were more likely to have negative impressions of kids that were in a different group from them. So, and that's partially due to rearing. Um, Kids of color were also more likely to be more exposed to other people of color at those same ages as well. So this also gets dangerous because this is the time period where kids are then, you know, in school and interacting with each other. So if these are not fostered by teachers, and if the teachers themselves have prejudice and discriminatory uh, beliefs, they are then passing that along to the kids. And we know that this happens. We know that kids of color get called on less frequently. We know that they are punished more harshly. Um, They are more likely to be called out about behaviors um, that other kids also display. So what ends up happening is that you're, you're literally breeding it at a very early age as the child is growing. Then what we also know is that um, we're subject to confirmatory biases. So 
you, if you have this kind of notion of, okay, brown skin people are a little bit different, I should be scared. And then you hear something on the news about a brown skin person did something, you know, that was wrong. You're like, see, those brown skin people, you can't trust them. But you're not paying attention to all the times that it might be some other skin tone or all the wonderful things that black people are doing or brown skin people are doing. So it literally develops over time and it just builds and, and there's so much psychology behind it that by the time you get to be an adult, you are, um, it's literally your mindset at that it's point. It's built into you. Right, exactly. So then it's even, it's even more work because then you're saying, well, you know, that's just how they are. Like I've seen this my whole life, um, but not realizing that it's been based on your set of experiences. And if you haven't really traveled beyond, and this is when I'm, when I'm talking about this, it reminds me of my time in Louisiana. So that was where I went for grad school, where I met my husband. Um, <laughs> um, I, there were that's so cool. many stories of people that said, wow, Cindy, like you're the first black person that I've really ever interacted with. Wow, Cindy. Um, I mean, I've heard all of the things of like, you sound white, this and that. But um, specifically wow. in grad school, um, you know, to be hearing things like, um, I, I knew that, you know, black people could be smart and intelligent and cultured, but this wasn't something that I experienced growing up, which for me is tough because again, I'm like, were you looking for it though? Really? You know? Um, and so it's something that, that people just grow up with. They're used to the society that they're used to the social environment that they're used to. And that's where you start to see the pushback because then it, it, it's a threat. Um, it's people start to feel like they're going to lose something. And I love the quote, you know, one candle doesn't dim the light of another candle. Um, you know, it's not pie, <laughs> you know, it's not like a set number of pieces that can go around. There's more than enough, you know, of any, everything to go around. Thank God. Um, yeah. Right. Exactly. 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 And that's, Oh man, that gets into a whole other set of <laughs> discussions. Wow. Just like, so I am a person of faith. Like I grew up in the church, um, yeah. you know, and so it, it it does become particularly frustrating when you hear Christians and other people of faith who, and you know, they'll try. Sometimes people will try to cite verses in the Bible to try to justify yeah. <laughs> things being separate, but you know, again, discussion for maybe another day, but, um, you know, so what it, are the first steps? Like, what do you think is the first step to recognizing mm. that you may be blocking yourself from reality? Like, mm. I, I really do think that there's racist people who already have pre preconceived notions, don't want to change ignorantly in their bubble. And then there's people who just like you said, which was interesting, they're afraid. They, they, they just feel safer to stick within what they know and, and, and which then comes off racist. Mm -hmm. So how, what's, if, if you may be that person, what's the first thing to crack that shell? Right. So you have to, you have to be truly open. You have to, mm. you have to want to ex, you have to want to accept the fact that you could be wrong. Um, and so this is something that I see in therapy. So sometimes people come to therapy because somebody else told them they needed to go. Um, and so really what has to happen is that each individual person has to get to the point where they understand that, that the therapy has to happen for them, that they understand that there's something that they need to work on in and of themselves. And so that I think, um, 
is a significant struggle. And I think, unfortunately, for some people, they just don't believe they need to change. They don't see that there's anything wrong. They believe that they're correct. Um, it's those people that, you know, there's that little thing inside of them that's telling them something is amiss here. Go with that. Embrace that. Run with that. Yeah. <laughs> it's as simple least. as that. Right. Exactly. And yeah. have a conversation with someone outside your race. Let's start there, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know, Google systemic racism? Right. <laughs> That's a major start. I posted a video on my Instagram at the Genie Mai, if you're not following, and it was from act.tv. And it's this amazing, I'm sorry, my mom posted it. At the Mama Mai, she posted a video from act.tv, the most beautiful illustration about systemic racism. And doctor, I'm going to DM it to you too, yes, because it's do. a cartoon. It's a four Uh, minute cartoon and it's about a boy named Jamal and how he grows up with very different circumstances from his white friend who lives down the street in a very different neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And it made me ball. I found myself with my t-shirt soaked and I sent it to my mom because she's um, English second language and and it just hit her like a ton of bricks because she was the person that was like, why are we burning down buildings over George Floyd? Why are we now like hurting other people's businesses, minority businesses, like a lot of Asian American nail salons and an eyebrow threading studio, um, a friend of mine's in Houston, totally burnt down and graffitied and everything. And she's like, what are we going to do to bring George Floyd to life? Like, why don't we arrest those cops? Why are we now destroying America because of this? And I had, I, I was like, okay, It was like, you know, like a fragile bird that you had in your hand and you don't want to kill it, but you also don't want to let it fly away. So you're like, stay right there. I'm going to tell you something. So he literally was like, hold on, mom. Right. I'm going to teach you about systemic racism. Right. And she's like, what you say? So imagine that conversation of from, you know, why are we riding to this extent to this is what really the fight is about. And mom, we also benefit from it. And we are a part of the problem because right. we are American. Right. And this system is not broken. Mm-hmm. It's always been damaged. Right, right. It's always been destructive. And that, I mean, that, that, that's a, that's a, that was a big, big talk and we're still having it now. But, but imagine that permeating through this family who don't want to see the problem or don't want to cause an issue or a rift mm-hmm. and also aren't prone. They have no idea to even like care about something right. that is outside of making right. some money making sure you have a roof over your heads and feeding your damn kids. Right, right. It's like, and it is, again, it's that idea of protection. It's, you know, we're good, we're safe, we're, we're protected. And I think especially for people who are immigrants or descendants of immigrants, like that's when you come from a place where, you know, people were disappearing in the night, um, you know, doing due to atrocities and things that there is that tendency of like, look, we made it to the United States. We we're safe here. Let's just help it to stay that way. But the problem is, is that, um, and please nobody interpret this as me saying that the United States is like other countries that went through these things. But, um, you know, are you really safe? How do you know you won't be the next one? How do you know it won't be someone that you love that's being affected that way? Mm. Um, So because these things are happening in this country, period. Um, You know, and it it needs to end, um, whether it's coming, you know, from law enforcement or whether it's coming from your neighbor who's chasing you down the street. Um, You know, it's it's happening and you don't know who it's coming from. I understand the instinct to protect, um, to protect yourself, to kind of keep your head down. But the problem is, is that, that is also what's keeping, that's what's kept all of this going for so long. Yeah, right. Um, 
Doctor, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, I want to talk to you about more on that reconditioning ourselves mm-hmm. on how to ask the right questions, mm-hmm. how to open up the topic of racism, how to start to learn what you need to unlearn. Mm-hmm. So when we come back, we have so much more to talk about, and I'm so happy to have Dr. Cindy Graham with us right here on Thank Listen Hanai. Welcome back to Listen Hanai. I am here with psychologist Dr. Cindy Graham. Thank you so much for having such a real conversation about racism, checking yourself, owning your privileges, and changing your ways that you hopefully are realizing now. So I want to jump into, quote, the conversation. Right. I see a lot of people posting on the gram, especially people of white uh, descent, posting the word listen. I'm going Mm -hmm. or muted, which is I'm just going to sit back and listen. Mm -hmm. I know a gang gang of other people who don't even know how to start the conversation to listen. They don't even want to know what to say. They don't know whether to say, I'm sorry that this is happening when they speak to their black friends or, um, or, I know the worst thing to say is like, teach me why racism started. Like, well, how did this happen? Because that's not your job. Clearly, we should educate ourselves <laughs> mm-hmm. with what we need to learn. And for me, learning to re-educate myself because I didn't learn much of what I should have learned in school. And not to put the onus on my right teachers, but mm-hmm. this is perspective. I need to learn what I need to care about. And so back to you, what is the right way to open the conversation? How do you open a friendly dialogue? to inform yourself and to be very mindful about your approach to a person of color. Right. So I think starting off quite possibly with an apology is probably the best way, acknowledging Mm. the ways in which you haven't acknowledged um, Mm. privilege and uh, prejudice, biases and systemic racism. Because the last thing you want to do is open with the teach me. (laughs) Yeah. Wait, can I just pause you really quick? Did you just say biases? Is that the plural version of biases? Yo, I'm telling you, man, <laughs> public school 101 right here. Biases, yeah. That's so pretty. That's almost a name. <laughs> right, right. I see my. Okay, but anyway, sorry, go on. It's just like all the, like, there are going to be kids named Rona and, you know. And, and I can't. Do you know gonna... that there already is somebody is that named really? their kid COVID and Corona? Oh. I, I'm not <laughs> kidding you. Yes. I read this. I didn't know that. <laughs> on the internet, so, but still. Okay, I, go on. I, still, it's opportunities it for learning. Yeah, so, so yes, yeah, biases. Um, <laughs> some people are out there like, Cindy, you could have just said biases. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're trying to sound right. fancy here. Right. What are exactly. you doing? Exactly, exactly. I get a little <laughs> education going. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, so open with an apology um, and really acknowledge the fact that, um, that you co- – First, reflect. <laughs> Go mm. into it thoughtful. Uh, really think about the relationship that you have with um, this this person of color, this brown or black skinned person in your life, and reflect about the time periods where you might not have stood up for them in a situation where you could have, or maybe where you. I. So I'm going to give an example from when I was growing up. Um, okay. Again, very just like well-intentioned friends. So I'm, I, I admit that I even have privilege, even though my parents are, are immigrants, um, you know, to be fortunate enough to even be able to attend an Ivy League school, even though I'm still paying Sally Mae back. Um, you, know, I, <laughs> you know, I acknowledge the fact that I have privilege. Um, and so I was in, um, you know, I was able to take a lot of really tough, rigorous classes and um, our high school would give uh, rankings of everybody. And so I, I happened to be the highest ranking person of color. 
in my class. You better, girl! <laughs> you better! Um, I happen to be the, the highest. Oh, I shouldn't say person of color. There, there actually, I was the highest ranking black student in my class. There, there was a person of Asian descent who was higher You better ranking, see! So. Let me, right, <laughs> um, And I remember having someone ask me, um, how does it feel to be the smartest black person in the school? And I was kind of like, Wait, I was, and I literally said, even back then, I was like, I just know I've been the one who's had the opportunity and been able to capitalize on that. There's no doubt in my mind that there are, because I was also the only black person in my classes. <laughs> um, I said, there's no doubt in my mind that there's somebody, there's somebody smarter than me who's not in these classes. Um, I've just been fortunate to have that opportunity and, you know, to have the support system and everything fall into place in just a way that I was able to to capitalize on it. So, uh, you know, and there are so many other things I've had people say to me, um, you know, things about my hair and whatnot. And um, so, so it is, I think people really need to reflect on the things that they have said to people over time. And those are the things that you have to start saying, yeah, I didn't, I, I thought that was a compliment at the moment, but now I understand how that cuts so much deeper. Um, not just for you, but for all people of color yeah. and uh, an apology. An apology is a great way to start. Wow. Um, I would say not to be discouraged if, um, you know, if the person of color um, it's kind of like, well, now you want to show up, <laughs> you know, like now you want to, you know, you want to have these conversations. Right, exactly. Because it's, um, it's tough. This is a tough time and mm -hmm. it's tough. It's encouraging to see all this support, but it's also like, we've been talking about this for so long. Why did it have to get to be so bad before, yes. before you decided to have this conversation and yes. then don't push, like, don't push the conversation. If the person of color doesn't want to have that conversation with you, don't, <laughs> you know, go educate yourself. There's, there's support out there. There are other individuals um, and even other, other white people who can help you in that journey, who have been doing the work and being a part of the process. So, um, so it's going to involve some humility, a lot of humility, really. Um, you know, you have to put yourself on the back burner. In Absolutely. This. Um, and then, and then maybe even give some time, but I think ultimately then going in with like, how can I support you? Yeah. Um, is, is the next big question For that sure. you should be asking. Doctor, I know these days, no matter what position that you hopefully are taking in the fight against racism, we are best when we are acting rather than reacting. I think we are best when we are strategic, we have a plan, we are mobilizing, coming out there with a sound mind and heart in order to execute so the message doesn't get muddled. Mm -hmm. So the most important root of that is self-care, is right. to really make sure that, like I wish you guys earlier today, that you have a peace of mind um, so that you can hear the directions of your heart that, that, that you need to, to move forward in. How do you think in these days of like just so much news, so much, uh, I mean, how do we give ourselves self-care these days? Where does it start and how do you maintain your peace of mind? Yeah. So the first thing I've been saying to people is to disconnect from social media regularly, um, disconnect from the news, consume just enough that you are staying up to date on what's happening, but where you're not overwhelming yourself because okay. there's a lot of negativity that's happening there. Yeah. Um, and so 
it's it's a difficult balance. I generally recommend actually that people stay within like an hour range of news consumption. Um, and I had actually a client say, so that that means I'm going to have to be off of social media a lot more. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it does mean that. Yeah. Um, which introduces a whole other set of um, a whole other set of things just in terms of self-care in general that we are so attached to our phones and so attached to our tablets and our laptops that we almost don't know who we are without that device in our hands. Yeah. Um, and so this is this can also be a great opportunity for just self-discovery because maybe it's an opportunity for you to finally read that pile of books that's been sitting on the nightstand. Or maybe it's time for you to start writing and using um, painting, drawing. Maybe it's time for you to pick up that instrument that's been, you know, collecting dust in a closet for a while. Um, my, maybe it means calling a friend on the phone, <laughs> you know, not just chatting and texting. Or but FaceTiming. Call, or FaceTiming. Yeah. That, because human support is so important. So um, having connecting with friends um, becomes important, knowing who you are, getting sleep, like all the basic, so all the basic fundamental things, sleep, um, eating fairly healthy, uh, you know, uh, and then connecting with friends. Like those are things that our, our body and our soul need at yes. on a basic level. Oh, that's so helpful, doctor. It is, I already feel so much more full talking to you. <laughs> I feel so much more uh, like you, like you take a deep inhale. And I think with great conversation, you exhale, not only the burden, but you inhale the truth and you inhale this refreshing sense of, okay, I'm learning. And just by learning, you're evolving. Right. So I appreciate that from you. Where, where can we get more of your teachings? Obviously to follow you on the gram, tell us where we can follow more of Dr. Cindy. Sure. So my handle is pretty much everywhere is Cindy T. Graham, PhD. So Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, and that's you, Graham, G-R-A-H-A-M. A -M. Yes. Thank you. Great. Good Good point. And Cindy is C-I-N-D-Y. Yep. <laughs> so um, yeah, you can find me there. Um, I do have a, a practice as well, Brighter Hope Wellness Center. So are, mm. if you are in the Maryland area and you are interested in services, we are providing them via teletherapy oh. as well. Uh, the website is brighterhopewellness.com and it's brighterhopewc on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as well. And um, yeah, I'd love to interact with with, with uh, your listeners and followers as well. And I- Oh, I, that's so helpful. Thank, thank, you. thank you, Dr. Cindy. It's not only great to know that we have uh, someone that we can talk to from the Black experience, but also professionally that we can also <laughs> um, have- somebody to counsel us through our thoughts and be able to keep ourselves, you know, at a, at a healthy, mental, stable place of mind. So Definitely. thank you. Oh, thank I enjoy you, you so much. <laughs> Everybody out there, I hope this helped you. And, and, and I hope that you're taking care of yourself and any stance that you're taking, um, make sure you nourish yourself physically, mentally, spiritually, make sure that you feel whole. And, and I pray that as we are moving through this and, and, and growing from this, that everybody um, looks at themselves in the mirror and they change. They are not the same person going in from your understanding of racism to your understanding of humanity and your responsibility to yourself and where you are in your life. What are you doing with your privileges and how are you connecting more with every person of color, especially the black community to let them know that you are an ally. 
Thank you so much, Dr. Cindy. Please rate and review this episode. Let me know if you have any specific questions for Dr. Cindy. Do hit me up in the DMs when I post this episode and I will direct them right over to Dr. Cindy. And you are a friend of ours. We love you, Dr. Cindy. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Take care, everybody. 